Hello, it's Liana Bolden with Eternally Speaking Now. Some of you may recall my sharing how God urged me at the start of 2020 to get up in the middle of the night to pray. Every night, no matter what. Well, after fumbling through doubts and questions and wrestlings, by February of that year, I did get into the habit of arising from sleep to pray almost every night. It's gone on now for a couple years. Well, one evening, or shall I say extremely early morning, during what has now become my treasured time with Jesus, a troubled teen came to my memory. The Lord nudged me to pray for him. Well, I was tired. I I didn't know how to pray for him. So I asked the Holy Spirit to intercede for him through me according to God's will. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So as I prayed, something super special happened. In my mind, I discerned a bird's eye view of the world. My vision then panned out farther and farther above the earth as if to peer down from the heavenlies. In my mind, as I had this picture, the planet looked so small, yet not insignificant. Red dots began to appear all across the globe, representing believers who were praying at that very moment alongside me. Suddenly, I received a deeper awareness of the weightiness of one person's prayers. I was filled with the assurance that right then, At 2.30 in the morning, Central Standard Time, in a little town, I was likely the only one in the whole entire world praying for that one boy. Out of more than 7 billion people in existence, it was my time to play a key role in the life of one lost child. God cares that much. Did I immediately see an answer to prayer? No, I haven't seen that boy for a long time. Does that mean my prayers weren't answered? No. Does it even matter if they're answered? No, I guess it really doesn't. Do I require a guaranteed answer in order to pray? I mean, absolutely not. We pray by faith. We believe God's word, period. Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. People of God, if you haven't already radically amped up your personal prayer life, now is the time. Right now, please don't delay. If Jesus calls us to pray for others, then he's obviously convinced that prayer works. Maybe it's time we choose by faith to be persuaded as well. So if you pray only over meals, I encourage you, add prayer during your shower. Well, if you're doing all that already, add prayer while you cook. If all that's your regular routine, then start praying in the car. If you already do all of that, then pray every time you see the clock. (laughs) And if you're already praying that often, hey, set your sights on ceaseless prayer. Why not? After all, it is the Lord's will. 
1 Thessalonians 5 says it. In verses 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now I could talk a lot about that. How powerful is that? If you ever wonder what God's will is for you, there you go. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. But this isn't about keeping a law or following a rule. Everything I'm saying isn't about shoulds and should nots. This is about communing with God, our creator. This is about partnering with his will, like the supernatural work of God. And it is about necessity, about living and thriving at such a time as this. In the days of Esther the queen, no one was allowed to address King Ahasuerus without first being summoned. The penalty for doing so without invitation was death. Unless the king chose to extend his golden scepter to the one who approached him. Well, Esther was informed by her uncle Mordecai of a plot to annihilate the Jews. Mordecai pleaded with Esther to appeal to the king in hopes to thwart the scheme. Esther then reminded Mordecai of the law that prohibited her from unsolicited visits to the king. Well, this was Mordecai's response. In Esther 4, 13 to 14, Mordecai says to Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In verses 15 to 17, Esther replies to Mordecai saying, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Well, the entire Jewish race may not be endangered at this instant as I'm speaking, or maybe it is, but we can still learn a sobering lesson or two from the dramatic parallel between this account in history and our current culture today. For me, the most critical and timely of those lessons is this. There is a window of time during which we're to pray when we are prompted by the Holy Spirit. If we don't pray at that minute, it's possible God will move someone else to intercede, but the consequences of ignoring the Holy Spirit's call may harm us or leave us with negative consequences. Who knows? Maybe your entire Christian life has been created and designed for the very moment when you stop and pray for this situation or for that person. And the best news of all, our king, who is Jesus, has brought his kingdom to us. And he's constantly beckoning us to pray. You have a standing invitation and he always welcomes you. It's never against his law to approach him, and his golden scepter is extended 
at all times and at every hour. So here's the challenge I'll leave you with. I'll be honest, when God first told me to habitually pray in the night watches, I, I thought I would, in a sense, perish. <laughs> would I be able to fall asleep again after I got up to pray for a while? Would I disrupt my family as I tried to get up? Would this cause long-term health problems or a loss of daytime energy? And where was I going to pray? The unknowns were many, but the opposite of perishing has occurred. A few years later now, I can tell you, I have learned so much through years of living with the goal of praying without ceasing. But the past couple years of midnight prayer now have completely changed me for the better. Oh yeah, it's been a sacrifice. I've had to die to self and tell my no, tell myself no, you know, as my flesh is screaming to get back into bed. And I've had to surrender more to the Lord's will. Oh, but it's been completely worth it. <laughs> as we do what our King has commanded, boldly and confidently approaching his throne of grace at an hour that doesn't make sense. He consistently offers the golden scepter and yet again embraces us in deeper fellowship with him, in widened trust in him, and greater appreciation for prayer and faith. All the while, he's moving mountains and accomplishing things only possible through our prayers. Wow, what an amazing collaboration between God and his children. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We're speaking about Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. He sympathizes with all of our weaknesses. He was tempted exactly as you ever will be and ever have been, yet he was without sin. And those verses continue saying, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The lost youth need us. Our neighbors need us. The fellow Christian needs us. The world needs us. Pray and consider fasting like never before. For at that moment, as you intercede for others, it may indeed be your such a time as this.